0: I am not Frank Taylor. Frank Taylor is the senior pastor. I am not the senior pastor. I am the lowly youth pastor. Uh, My name is Patrick. Uh, Frank is suffering for Christ on the beach currently. Um, And so you can pray for his family, for the intense. No, I'm just kidding. Pray that they have a great time, uh, rest and relaxation. He will be back with us next week, Lord willing, before he starts his sabbatical. Uh, he didn't want to just like sneak out and you guys not get to say bye, all that kind of stuff. So you can expect uh, Pastor Frank back next week. But this is this week, and I'm here, and my name is Patrick. Uh, typically, we here preach through a letter of the, the Bible or a book of the Bible. We preach expositorily, uh, Frank, just finished Ephesians a couple weeks ago, and we did it from beginning to end. But occasionally, every now and then, we preach something called topical sermons or sermon series. And so Frank just wrapped up, what is the gospel? Uh, It was four weeks talking about just that, what is the gospel? Uh, If you've missed any or all of those, you can find them on our website at utown.org forward slash messages. I highly suggest you read them. Read them? You can read them, or you listen to them. Uh, Frank is incapable of not preaching through a just specific text. So he did this topical series, but each week he went into a text of scripture. He usually starts, he comes out here, he walks out from the stage, y'all know this, right? You're here. Walks out from the the, the ramp over there. And he says, open your Bibles. to blah, 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 blah. Uh, Today, I'm doing a true topical, which means we're going to be all over the place. So, uh, if you have YouVersion, uh we talked about this in the fall, so I know you all know it, unless you weren't with us. So, if you have the app version, which is a Bible app, you can open it. I see none of you are moving. I'm going to keep going anyway. You're going to open your app version. And in the little, like, bottom right-hand corner, depending on what device you have, it's kind of like the more thing. Sometimes it's three lines or three dots or something. Click on that, and then you click on events, find Uniontown Bible Church, and it will populate the passage of Scripture that we are going through in any given week. Uh, this week, it is not a passage of Scripture, it is several. So that is there for you if you want to use it, or what I've done is uh, I've created a if it'll work. My phone's not. Noah, help a brother out. There it is. Uh, I've created a a QR code with a PDF with all of the scriptures on there for you, and it'll just populate on your phone, and you can use it. If you don't know how to use a QR code, uh, ask somebody. Uh, Okay. Or you could do old school Bible drills if you have your Bible in front of you. I'll try my best to say the book with the reference, and you can first one there, raise their hand. Okay. We good? All right. So last week, Frank wrapped up his uh, sermon series, and I grabbed a summation of it. So this is a quote. Uh, He says this. I'm going to make sure we're, okay. He says this. This is Frank speaking. Imagine. Use your imaginations. When you stand before God, and in your thinking you think, that's a frankism. He actually said that. You can listen to it. I wrote it down. And in your thinking, you think, "I'm going to show him what merit I have. And when you pull out the résumé, there better be nothing on it but a picture of the cross and the empty tomb, because that's all that matters. It's a terrifying passage. He's referring to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 23, which he preached on last week. He says it's a terrifying day referring to the day that you stand before God. But it's a day that those who are in Jesus Christ can rest in if they're truly in Christ. So, I got to thinking, I was uh, traveling back from Kansas City on Monday. We made a 16-hour drive in 17 and a half hours. I thought that was pretty good. You can give me a round of applause. Uh, Actually, you should we should round of applause for my kids. Uh, Dad, can we please stop? No. Uh, White knuckled. Um, so we're driving. We're listening to the, the message that Frank preached. And I was, you know, at this point I had been kind of thinking, okay, I'm preaching next week. I'm kind of inviting you into the process. You know, what do I want to talk about? I started thinking about what does it mean to be in Christ? And I think what that means from Scripture is that it means you belong to Christ, you are His. Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-six through twenty-nine says this, and I'm going to read it from the International Children's Bible because sometimes the children uh, get it at a level that I can understand. Tracking with me, it says this: You were all baptized into Christ, and so you were all clothed with Christ. This shows that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now in Christ there is no difference between Jew and Greek. There is no difference between slaves and freemen. There is no difference between male and female. You are all the same in Christ Jesus. He's speaking positionally. You're all the same. You belong to Christ. So you are Abraham's descendants. You get all of God's blessings because of the promise that God made ...to Abraham, which we read about all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. So he says, you belong to Christ. This baptized is not a water baptism, it's spiritual baptism. He's talking about that moment that you believe you are dead, spiritually dead, and you are alive. You are brought to life in Christ. It's this spiritual baptism. You are now clothed with Christ... Animated by the Holy Spirit through faith alone. Okay? So belonging to Christ means that you don't belong to anything else, right? You just belong to Christ. Now that may not be true. and We're going to dive into some of that. That word gospel, um, you know, the sermon series, what is the gospel, that word gospel, you've heard it before. If you're here at any time in the last four weeks, hopefully you know it. It is good news. The Greek word is euangelion. Rome would use that word to announce the new Caesar. And what it was supposed to mean was that this new Caesar has risen to power and your life will never be the same. That's how people in the Roman Empire were to interpret that euangelion. So it's interesting that these writers, after Jesus has risen from the dead, That they would start recording this gospel, this good news, this, hey, King Jesus has risen to power, and your life will never be the same. That's good news. So you belong to Christ. What does all of this mean for our lives? Paul, uh, Eden, read from Acts chapter 26, and Paul in this passage is defending himself before king agrippa and he says all the things that he says right talking about his testimony how he met jesus on the road to damascus and then he tells them this he says first to those in damascus and then to those in jerusalem and in all judea and then to the gentiles i preached that they should repent and turn to god and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds in other words I preached starting in Damascus and I went all these other places and I preached that they should repent from their sin, turn to God and live a life that demonstrates that repentance. That's what Paul preached. Paul says it another way in his second letter to Corinth in chapter 5, verse 17. He says this, this means... That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That word new in the Greek, it's kainos. And it's, it's not like new temporally or time oriented. It's new in the sense that something was just made that previously was not in existence. New. Born again, if you will. If you are in Christ, if you belong to him, you have a new life. And so I, I've come up with this kind of list of what this newness is. It's pretty short. It's only three things. It's not exhaustive. We're going to dive into those individually. But first, I have to... Uh, my phone's still not working. Can you throw that picture of with Jeff? Oh, there he is. Jeff's my friend. Uh, Jeff is our equipping pastor here, and that he's hanging out with his R2-D2 droid or whatever that is. Um, I'm going to tell you what it is. But first, there's two reasons I throw this picture up there. Uh, the first is because I love Jeff, and when I sent him this text and said, hey, I need you to take a picture of the weather station that you have in your backyard, because I knew, I knew, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that Jeff Benda had a weather station in his backyard. And I'm sure as he read the text, he said, you turkey. Um, Jeff's laughing at that somewhere. He's not in the room. But he laughed at first service, I guarantee you. Okay, so that's Jeff. He's our equipping pastor. I needed to show you a picture of him because at the end of this message, you're all going to flock to him to talk to him about all the great things uh, that you can be a part of in the community of Christ. Okay, so you see what he looks like. Now he's pointing to his weather station. And the reason I threw that up there is because according to Google, most weather stations have in them a barometer. A barometer. Okay, you can get rid of Jeff. All right, a barometer. A barometer measures atmospheric pressure. It doesn't create atmospheric pressure. It does not manipulate atmospheric pressure. It merely measures it. And so as I'm thinking about this list, and I'm going to tell you about this list, what I don't want to happen is you to think, okay, at the end of this message, if I'm not doing all of these things, then that must mean that I'm not in Christ. That must mean that I'm not in Christ. That is not what I'm saying. So hopefully there's nobody in the, the bathroom right now, and they're gonna walk in, you know, later. And anyway, what I'm saying is to be in Christ is the cross in the empty tomb. It's Jesus' work on the cross and that he was raised to life. That is what allows you or, or makes you able to be in Christ. And I think what happens in church communities and things like that, you grow up in church, right? You come to Christ when you're four years old or whatever, and you grow up in the church, and it kind of makes sense, but you have this like convoluted understanding of new life. What's the, I've always known this life. What do you mean new life? Uh, and so it can get confusing because there's people in this room who have been in and around the church their entire lives. There's people in this room who came to Christ perhaps last week, and so there's a lot of different nuances that we have to talk about. But the barometer is a measurement of being in Christ. This list is a—it's it's used to look at and go, "Okay, how am I doing in Christ relationally?" Let's put it this way: Romans chapter eight, verse one says that you are no longer judged guilty. If you're in Christ, you are no longer judged guilty. Positionally, you stand before the Father and he looks at you and he sees the blood of Jesus. Amen. But relationally, how you move forward, how you demonstrate your repentance can get kind of shaky. And so sometimes we need this barometer, this measurement to look at. All right. So I think the three things are this. New life in Christ. You are born into this new community. You are born into this new fight. And you're born into this new message. These three things. We're going to jump into those right now. So the new community that you are a part of, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, says this. Now you that are in Christ, you're the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. In the same way... We are many, but in Christ, we are all one body. Each one is a part of that body, and each part belongs to all the other parts. But here's one of those things that I want to talk about, is that oftentimes our experience, there's a gap between our experience and the truth. The truth is God's word. The truth is that once you're in Christ, you belong to Christ. And you belong in this community with other people who belong to Christ. And yet our experience oftentimes does not match up with the truth. Because, see, there's these barriers oftentimes to Christian community. I think one of them is rejection. We have this fear, this, this inward fear that I want to be loved... Or I want to be known, but if people really know me, they're not going to love me. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. Uh, I'm begging to differ. But I want to be known, but I'm scared that if I put myself in community, in a situation where I'm known, I won't be loved. They won't accept me. There's, there's busyness, this gap between truth and experience, right? I am now part of the body. This is my primary community. That's what scripture paints a picture of. And yet I'm so busy doing all the things that I'm doing. I'm driving 19 billion kids to water polo practice. And I, I have to go to school and I've got this paper to write and I've got this thing to do and I'm running this thing over here, and I'm busy. I don't have time for community. Do you guys drive like 17 billion kids to water polo practice? I thought so. I really wanted to find something that landed. Um, Busyness. There's also this past, this this past stuff, right? Because some of us in this room, we grew up in church. And so, Maybe, maybe your time at that other church, the people there, they hurt you. They hurt your feelings. So now you're at this church, and you're hoping that nobody here is going to hurt your feelings. i got news for you. There's people in this room who have been at this church, and there's people that have hurt their feelings. Somebody hurt my feelings after the first service. But it's okay. It's okay. There's this past stuff. That we, we bring these, this baggage that we bring along with us. And so I'm going to talk about, really quick, I think there's a remedy for some of this. Rejection. Listen. Listen. Or, or hurt feelings. This goes too. You ready? Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And he calls you to do unto others the same thing. And so if we are a community that is in Christ, and we belong to Christ, and we act like Christ, and we extend grace, and we extend love, and we extend forgiveness to those that are around us, the fear of rejection melts away under the experience of grace. The experience of past baggage and unforgiveness and hurt feelings melts away in the face of grace and forgiveness and love extended to one another in the body of Christ. Now busyness, the only thing I have to say about that is stop it. Just slow down. You know your schedule. Tell your kid they can't play water polo this season. Tell your boss you don't got time for that. No, don't do that. <laughs> I do that on a regular basis. No, uh, JK. You know your schedule. Uh, I, I have people that I'm talking to about uh, leading small groups next year for, for the youth ministry. And oftentimes what I hear people say is like, oh, I really want to do this. I feel called to do this. But I just, I just, I just, I just don't have the time. But, but, you know, I really want to carve out time for this. I really want to carve out the time. But I'm thinking about that illustration in my head. If you're going to carve something out, like imagine a piece of wood. If you're going to carve something out and make something beautiful, you're going to take wood away. You like that image? But oftentimes what we do is we just we squeeze it in. So we take that wedge and we take that hammer and we just going fit it in. I'll fit it in and my might, oh, the wood split. Nothing's beautiful anymore and I'm busy and I'm miserable. Busyness is just, you got to sit down. My wife and I have been trying to do this very intentionally lately. What has to go? What is not edifying my relationship with Christ in my schedule? There's tons of questions that you can ask about that. Jeff will help you. Um, But I want to nuance that a little bit more because I know that we're busy, right? We're doing this. We're, We're coaching our kids water polo sport, you know, or whatever, and that's great. It's a great endeavor. Coach away. But listen, you belong to Christ, so coach like it. You coach those three-year-old water, three-year-old water polo players like Jesus is king of everything. Whatever you do, do it all like you belong to Jesus. You know the things that you're spending your time on. All right. Time check. Nix that. I have an article that I would love for you to read um, because you all need to be on Facebook. No, you don't. That's something that needs to go away. But for the sake of ease, I'm going to post an article on my Facebook page and you should go read it. It's a good one. It talks about, it's this Pastor Brian in Arizona and he talks about his experience growing up and how. He thought that it would be one single wise guy who was profoundly interested in his life that was going to disciple him, and yet it turned out to be the church, the corporate body. And one of the things he says, I'll just read this one little quote. Individually, they were less than what I needed, but corporately, they were Christ's body bringing me to maturity. It's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful picture of community. Individually, I'm sorry, Daryl Higgins, I love you, but you're not everything I need. I need all of you. I'm serious. The corporate body is a beautiful picture of community. If we do it in love and grace and, and, and forgiveness and kindness, we can disciple each other into maturity. Okay. I'm doing well did really poorly the first service. And I ran out of time. But we're going to do this. There's this new fight, right? This new life in Christ. There's new community and there's a new fight. What am I talking about? I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about sin fighting. Beat it up. Put it to death. Because here's the deal. Ephesians, Paul writes this letter to Ephesians and he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God made you alive. You're alive. You were dead bones, but he breathed into you life. And he wants you to live like it. He wants you to fight your sins. Why would you go back to the grave? Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6 have something to say about that. And I, I need, I, we would need like a sermon series to break that down. And so I'm, I hesitate to go there. You can read it on your, your own. But don't go back to the grave. Jesus paid for your sin. Romans, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8. So, my brothers, we must not be ruled by our sinful selves. We must not live the way our sinful selves want. If you use your lives to do the wrong things your sinful selves want, then you will die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, then you will have true life. What Paul is saying is put your sin to death. He says it this way in his letter to Galatians. Now those of you who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's your sin. That's your sinful selves with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, But we live in a culture and a society here in America where just a little bit of sin is okay. Time and time again. It's alright. Just a little bit. There's this story, I'm not really sure where I read it or where I heard it from, but it's about this dad who does this amazing thing. I want to be like this dad. Um, his teenage son walks in the house and he's like, Dad, I want to go see this rated R movie. And, you know, it's majority, it's got a good story line. The plot is good. There's a little bit of some things in it that I probably shouldn't see and hear. But, you know, it, it's okay. It's just a little bit. Uh, and the dad's like, um, well, I don't know. I got to think about this. You know, why don't you and your friend just go hang out in the living room or whatever? And so he and his friend go, and they hang out in the living room. Let's say they put on Sports Center. They're watching some water polo. And, um, and, and, and his dad says, I'm going I'm to make some brownies. I love my kid. I love, you know, this friend that he hangs out with, I want to make some brownies. So dad starts making some brownies, and he goes outside in the backyard to get a little extra ingredient that he needed for these brownies. And he bakes these brownies, and the house just starts to smell. Y'all know what brownies smell like. Anybody want a brownie right now? The house just starts to smell like brownies. You know, and the friend, the the, the kid, the son and his friend, they walk in the kitchen. He's like, Daddy, are you making brownies? I love brownies. His dad's like, yeah. Oh, ding, they're done. Dad pulls the brownies out. He puts them on the oven, and he's cutting into these brownies. And, you know, at this point, the kid and his friend, their saliva just I want those brownies. He puts them on a plate and he slides them, you know, across the table. And he's like, now, before you eat these brownies, I need to tell you something. Put a little dog doo-doo in there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Most of the brownies is chocolate and sugar. There's a little bit of gluten in there. Um, Most of the brownies are real good, guys. I only put a little bit of dog food. You know? And the, 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 the sign y'all get what I'm saying, right? Now listen, though. Paul, I think, I think, I genuinely think Paul would laugh at that story. I hackled. I LOL'd. I was like, I want to be like that dad. It's amazing. But Paul would say one step further, no, 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 no. See, you're not just eating something Gross. It leads to death. Sin is serious. Jesus had to go to the cross willingly to give his life to make payment for it. And so if you're in Christ, if you belong to him, you've got to do the hard work of finding out what it is what is sin? How is, it, how is it affecting me? How am I given over to it? What do I struggle with? And you know, here's what we do. Those of us that maybe grew up in the church, we compare ourselves to other people. That dude did that thing with that other woman. I would never do that. I'm good. Gosh, I was watching the news the other night, and, and I saw this thing about this guy who killed someone. Can you believe that? Can you believe somebody would kill someone else? That's murder. I would never do that. Ever. Stop comparing yourself to other people, and hold your life to the Word of God and go, oh dang, Jesus, I belong to you. Jesus, I need you through the power of your Spirit to reveal to me what I am doing, what I'm I'm failing against, what I'm running back to. I need your help. I need the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to bring you guys into that with me. I sat in Boggers yesterday morning with some friends. I need that. I got a community group that I get together with on Sunday afternoons right after church. I need that. I got a group of friends who office just a little ways over that way. I need that. I need you guys. We need each other. Uh, Read Matthew chapter 5. Jesus gives us this picture of what it looks like to live in his kingdom. Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he wants you who belong to him to live like it. To demonstrate your repentance with your life. Uh, James chapter five, going back to that community thing. James says, confess your sins to each other. Not because I'm looking, you know, for some kind of like God-given forgiveness. There's forgiveness in Christ. That's first John 1 9. But what I'm what I'm what I'm doing when I'm confessing sin to my brother is I, I'm asking him, pray for me. Help me. Help me to see what I'm not seeing. And here's some of that nuance back to that community thing. I think there's a lot of us in this room who've probably experienced a brother or sister in Christ calling us out on something and we interpreted it as an attack. You hurt my feelings. How dare you say that to me? When really we need the humility of the spirit to go, wow, that, that probably wasn't easy for you to say to me. Can we have more conversation about that? Oh, and here's another thing. Uh, There's mature believers in this room and there's believers in this room that maybe, maybe, maybe they're exploring Christ. They're not in Christ yet. Or they're new in Christ. And you say, you mature believer, you got the audacity to look at them. How could you believe that about abortion? How could you believe that about whatever? And you know what you do? You stomp them out. We are a community that has had a Savior die on a wooden cross so that we could show love and forgiveness and extend grace to one another. Now, I need you to remember that this is a barometer. And so maybe you're feeling something like, "Oh man, why did you have to say that? I've done that." And you're you stand before the throne of God not guilty because of what Jesus it is the cross and the empty tomb. But demonstrate your repentance with your life. Because here's the deal. Jesus rose from the dead and he stood On the Mount of Olives, just opposite of the temple, with his disciples, he gathered them together. Minus one. And he told them to do something. He said, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and remember, You're not doing this for Jesus. You're not doing this to get something from Jesus. You're doing this with Jesus. He says, I will be with you until the very end of the age. I will be your God. The second person of the Trinity is with you. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. This is exciting. This is why I couldn't sleep last night. This is what keeps me up some nights. We are in Christ. We have a lot of work to do. Romans chapter 10, Paul says this, But how how then can they call on him to save them? How can the unbeliever call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And so yes, share the gospel. But this goes back to the beginning and I'll end with this. Acts chapter 26, Paul is providing a defense To King Agrippa. Of why he is doing what he is doing. Of what he witnessed. The Lord Jesus blinding light on the road to Damascus. Paul says, I preached, I started in Damascus. I went to Jerusalem and to Judea. And I preached that they should repent from their sins. That they should turn to God. And that their life should demonstrate their repentance. Guys, the authentic, the new, the real demonstration of your repentance is the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving world. The unbelieving world should look at the community of Christ and want what we have. They should want who we belong to. This is compelling. You don't have time to be too busy for this. You don't have time to be worried about rejection for this. I think we need to pray. Father, we... We love you even though we don't always demonstrate that. And the only reason that we can even utter the words we love you is because of Jesus and his work on the cross. And that the Holy Spirit would would breathe life into our body and animate these dead dry bones. we belong to you Jesus and so we can say we love you because we know that you first loved us and we have a hard time saying that we love one another in this even in this room but we can do that because of you Jesus Holy Spirit would you work in a mighty way would you help us to stand and sing praise to your glorious name I pray this all in the name of Jesus and in the power of the spirit. Amen.